When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Paul Stevenson, and this is episode 82 of Vintage Rock Pod, the ultimate classic rock podcast. With a new episode released every single day, you get a big name extended interview like this one every Monday, and short four or five minute daily episodes Tuesday through Sunday on a show that I call This Day Rocks. Thank you, as always, for hitting play. Now, on today's show, I've got an interview with a man ready to embark on a huge 50th anniversary tour with his band, a band he was a founding member of, and one that's a quintessential American rock group whose songs have certainly stood the test of time. I'm talking about the band Kansas and their guitarist, Rich Williams. It's a fun chat talking about some of the highlights from the band's career, the beginnings, the hits, the highs, and more. I'm looking forward to you hearing it. But a very quick recap on vintage rock pod happenings this week. Uh, Full album February is still in full swing, of course. I've had a tremendous response so far. Huge thanks to all the people engaging across all the social media platforms on this one. Now, if you're new to it, then basically every day this month, I'm listening to an album in full that's been nominated by a Vintage Rock Pod listener. Now, the idea was to try and uncover some lost or forgotten records and get the VRP community listening along too. So far, we've unearthed a brilliant record from Big Country that's led to me interviewing the guitarist, Bruce Watson, putting your questions to him about the release, which actually celebrates its 30th anniversary next month. Nice coincidence there. So that interview is on its way. Also, Canadian band The Kings was in touch on Facebook after their album The Kings Are Here was included as well, which is uh, very cool indeed. A quick shout-out to David Thomas, Russell Schultz, Adam Hamilton, Rob McBeathan, uh, Joey Michaud, Glenn Gillis, Dave Lepzinski, Tenacity PR, My Rock and Roll Heaven on Twitter, Bruce McKenzie, Marv from Pods Like Us, and Alistair Tams for the fantastic comments throughout the week. Get involved every day on social media facebook twitter and instagram i post that day's record so you can give it a listen and leave your comments also check out the vintage rock pod youtube channel it's been getting a lot of traction these last few months a recent video with rod argent from uh, episode 81 it took off over 60,000 views on that one which is pretty crazy and there's a fun little part as well if you subscribe to the vintage rock pod channel it's absolutely free don't worry just press the red button uh, on there on youtube every single day i post a fun poll it could be uh, i don't know which of these four albums do you like the best a mix of guitarists maybe vocalists big singles from a certain year that sort of thing loads of people get stuck in with that every single day six seven eight nine hundred votes are coming in and loads of comments as well which sparks great classic rock debates so please check that out as well 
And one last little thing. Please leave a quick review on your podcast app. Pantheon Podcast Network, which Vintage Rock Pod is a proud part of, has a new inter-networking kind of thing where we see the reviews that come into our group chat. So whenever a podcast receives one, we all get a notification. Now, Vintage Rock Pod hasn't had a review since this started a couple of weeks ago, so let's change that, please. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you use. It really does make a big difference. Only five-star reviews, though. That's the main thing. Okay, <laughs> right, on to today's show then. Uh, it's another great one. Kansas are a legendary group, of course. Nine gold albums, one platinum album, three multi-platinum albums, and a platinum live album too. They've had a million-selling single and have appeared on the US Billboard charts for over 200 weeks. They're a name everyone in classic rock knows thanks to albums like Left Overture and Point of No Return and big hits like Dust in the Wind and Carry On Wayward Son. Now, my guest today is Rich Williams. He's a founding member of the group and ever-present since the start of the 70s. This summer, the band will embark on a 50th anniversary tour that takes in pretty much the whole of America with lots of songs on the playlist that will not have been played live in a long time, so it's definitely worth catching the band while you still can. Just check out kansasband.com for more information on all that kind of thing. So, let's go then. Here's my fun chat with Kansas guitarist Rich Williams. So it's the 50th anniversary tour, another fork in the road. So many dates right across the US, from Pittsburgh in June through to Fort Lauderdale in January next year. Now, it's one heck of a tour, isn't it? Well, it is. That's the first 50. When we did the Leftovers, your 40th anniversary tour, and then when we did the Point of No Return anniversary tour, it was supposed to be 15 to 20 shows for Leftovers, and we did 90. Wow. Uh, and then Point of No Return was supposed to be around 80, and I think we did 110. And there's a lot more excitement about this tour than there was about either one of those. And so it wouldn't surprise me if there was another 50 after this. But we're going to start with this 50 and see where it goes. Absolutely. And you're going to be playing all the crowd favorites, of course. I mean, all the big hits from the past 50 years. But also you're going to be playing some deep cuts that haven't been played live for decades. I mean, was it fun going back through the catalogue to try and work out which of these songs to to play live? Yeah, it, there was a few that was uh, I, I'd been lobbying for for a while. And with this project... It seemed like the perfect time. It's it's uh, you know it's a couple of songs that fans have been wanting to hear, you know, hardcore fans that were there from the first and second album, and so they're going to be quite pleased that we're doing these songs that, again. Haven't done them for forty five years. And can you give us a sneak peek on which these hidden gems you're going to be playing? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I cannot. Uh, we've we've been uh, been sworn to secrecy. Uh, um, Billy Guerrero, bass player, he. Uh, on one of his interviews leaked a few things and we boiled him in oil. Um, so we're, we're, we're looking for a bass player. No, uh, we, we, we just, when we do the first show in Pittsburgh, the set list will be out then, but we would rather wait until then. And then people say, Oh, they're not playing this or yay. They're playing that. But we're used to that. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what makes it so important that you get tickets for this tour. It's the 50th anniversary tour. Some songs that you will not have heard live for a long time. So that is a key reason to get along and support the band while they're still on the road. And tickets are available. You can check them out at kansasband.com. You get all the dates and details and everything on the website there, can't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, kansasband.com. That's when I have a question, that's where I go. <laughs> if I don't want to <laughs> pester somebody, it's, uh, that's, that's a good spot to find all the accurate information. 
Now, as well as the tour, there was, just before Christmas, a new career-spanning compilation that was brought out as well, Another Fork in the Road, 50 Years of Kansas. It was a three-CD set. There was a booklet with history of the band and photos and memories and all that sort of stuff, and a, a new version of Can I Tell You as well. That was from the band's first album back in 1974. Now, um, that was the first song on the album, so is, did it kind of just feel right to record that one again with the new lineup? Yeah, it did. It was uh, when a compilation type of thing comes out, it's nice to add a bonus track. And so in thinking about that, Can I Tell You was the the song that got us a record deal. Without that song, no, nothing would have followed. And so in a lot of ways, it's the most important song we ever did because it got our toe in the door. And so to bookend this album with a re-record of that, uh, it just seemed logical and right. And plus it was at the... Uh, still during uh, COVID, so it gave us something to do. And I recorded <laughs> right here in this room, all my parts. Uh, we did it remotely, and we'd never done that before. And we were curious to see how it would work out. It was a lot of fun to be involved with the project, and it kept us all in constant communication. So it was a fun project. Absolutely, and it's a record that you can get your hands on now. And and just speaking of that song and, and telling you how it became the, the song that kind of got you that record contract and originally. Now, take me back to that early point, the, the Wally Gold phoning you to say that he's coming out to see you play. He loved the demos. He loved that song. He loved the songs that you'd sent him, but he wants to see you live. He wants to see if you're a proper band, see if you've got it all together. Now, the- Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. This is what leads us on to the famous free beer concert. Uh, yes. I love this story. Can you tell us a bit? <laughs> tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, well, um, we were a band called White Clover, and that was the uh, basically the original Kansas minus Kerry Livingston. And we had made that demo tape, and uh, Kirshner liked one song on it, and so we had some interest. Uh, and the the band Kerry was in it was dissolving. And Carrie was such a fantastic songwriter. And we thought, God, if we get a record deal, we need more songwriting. And so Carrie joined us. 
And we were playing around some. And then uh, we were in Dodge City, Kansas, of all places, and taking a break. And the bartender says, um, you guys got a call from New York. Okay. And so I think Dave Hope answered the phone because Dave Hope was kind of uh, our money guy. He would collect the 100 bucks from the bar owner at the end of the night. And so he answered the phone. It was, hi, this is Wally Gold with Don Kirshner. And really love your tape. And we'd like to come out in a few weeks and see you guys. So if you could set up an audition. Okay. We didn't like doing cover material. We weren't a very popular bar band because we were doing a lot of our original material. And so nobody was really following us that all that well. So what are we going to do? He's going to come in a couple of weeks. We've got to throw together a show somewhere. And there has to be people there. And there's a place in Ellenwood, Kansas, which is about in the center of the state. And there's not much around there. But there was an old opera house that we would rent from time to time for, I think it was 135 bucks, something like that. And charged 25, 50 cents at the door and people would come in. Well, let's do it there. But who's going to come? And so all of a sudden, it was, what if we had free beer? <laughs> and so we bought some kegs of beer and had that set up. And as it turned out, the place was completely stuffed. And it's not like this was full of fans. Most of these people never heard of us before, but they were drunk and happy to be there. So when Wally Gold came, it's a sold out house. Everybody's jumping around and screaming. And he was very impressed. <laughs> Told Don Kirshner, yeah, man, there's something really going on here. And so that's by free beer and lying is how we got our first record deal and only record deal at that time. There were no other offers. So that's how it really got started was that free concert. Fantastic stuff. Love hearing things like that. It's brilliant. Now, obviously, 50 years on, there's been there's been lineup changes, as there is with any band that's been together for so long, and people naturally drift apart, and we, we sadly lose people as well along the way. But I've heard you say that um, the friendships are still there, aren't they, with members past and present? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah, and then like on this tour, uh, the door is open. If anybody wants to come back up on stage and join us for a song or two, Anybody from our in the past band, uh, they're more than welcome. Uh, we'll reach out to all of them when we're in their area and stuff. And you know, please come up and join us. It'll be a lot of fun. Even more reason to buy tickets for the shows. Absolutely. Uh, in terms of the friendship, then, I mean, you guys in the early days, it was almost a us against the world kind of feeling. Long-haired guys from from Kansas and that became world famous rock stars. Did you feel like you were up against it, trying to break through to those kind of bigger cities and bigger markets? In in a, in a lot of ways, yeah. You know, young guys that are filled, you know, young and dumb and filled with testosterone uh, and coming to the Midwest, we had a bit of a chip on our shoulder. We knew we were a good band uh, as far as performing goes, so we had a bit of a, a cocky attitude about always wanting to, to blow the band off the stage, whoever we were opening for or whatever. That mellowed with age. Um, not the... We always cared about the performance, we but we kind of dropped the cocky attitude. It just comes with young men. Yes, of course. Yeah, we, we've, we have mellowed. <laughs> Wonderful. And in terms of um, playing live and, um, and opening and, and playing with, with big acts and trying to blow them away, I mean, one famous band that you did tour with uh, was Queen. I mean, they were just breaking through in America at that point with sheer heart attack. I mean, they spoke very kindly of you and seeing you play and, and even warm up saying how fantastic you were. I mean, what do you remember of that tour and what do you remember of Queen and things like that? Well, it was, uh, but before that, we, we toured with Mott the Hoople. And 
that was very eye-opening to see. We, we, we're coming from the bar, so kind of tuning and arguing on stage about what we're going to play next. And that was that was a circus. That was showtime. Very entertaining was Mott the Hoople and uh, great guys, you know, just to hang around with. But the reason we got on that show was because Queen was supposed to open, but someone got sick. So we were thrown on that tour in the last minute. There was no notification. Yeah, it was just word of mouth. There wasn't any mass media back then. So for the first week or more, everyone was expecting to see Queen, who was just starting to break up. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Kansas. And there'd just be a gasp in the crowd. And we'd walk out there, and it's not Queen, and it's us. And on my deathbed, I will hear people scream, Queen, Queen! <laughs> it was... But that taught us a lot. You've got to be very professional. Get on stage, boom, hit them and hit them hard. Not a lot of time between songs. Don't give them a chance to scream at you and just mow over them until we would win over the crowd just by sheer volume and being relentless. And so we learned about that. And that was a great time. Then comes the Queen tour. Uh, and coming from the Midwest, it's like, well, we're going to be going out with this Queen band. And here's, you know, here's the album cover. And it's like, sure, Heart Attack was, you know, for a Midwestern guy was, are we going to get along with these guys? And they were so great. It was such a good band. They were so much fun. They hadn't really seen any fame and fortune whatsoever at that time. So we, we were very much peers in, in that time. My mother, it was from Taunton in Somerset. Uh, my sister was born in, in England. So I, I always had a, a connection. You know, I spent my uh, a summer there before uh, kindergarten, actually. I had relatives there. And so to be around these guys was, uh, it was a mismatch, you would think, but it wasn't. We, we got along so fantastic. And... The, we kept in touch. Uh, actually, Roger Taylor sang on one of our records, uh, background singer. He couldn't be listed due to contractual obligations with different record companies. That was a lot bigger deal back then. But uh, we were that close. Uh, we would come to Atlanta. We'd go see them. Uh, it was it was fun times. Wonderful guys. Uh, and what a career. I mean, they became, at that time, the, the biggest band in the world. Incredible, and it was um, obviously you had some some albums that came out and they did well. They got in the top one hundred, but it was really the fourth album, wasn't it? Left Overture, which sent the band into well the, the stratosphere. It contained the the anthem. It's the only way to say it. Carry on, Wayward Son. I mean, my ten year old son loves it. He sings it. He absolutely adores that song as well. Um, but it was a song that Kerry came up with right at the last minute, wasn't it? it was um, the album was pretty much already decided, and it was a very late edition. It was. It was uh, the final day. We, uh, we'd been. We'd rent a little a space in Topeka, Kansas, and we were working on the album, working on material. And it was uh, basically time to pack up the truck and head to uh, Bogalusa, Louisiana, where we had recorded the previous album. And so we're going to just go through a few things. And Kerry comes in and goes, I've got another song, which was not all that welcome <laughs> at that point. <laughs> We'd been doing it for a few months, and we were tired of working on new material. And yeah, he would have like a reels reel or a work off a cassette. So we didn't have like 
polished demos at all. So he just kind of laid out, you know, here's the guitar riff. Oh, that's pretty cool. And here, and here's the verses and here's the lyric sheet. And then we kind of mold over it and thought, wow, this, this has got a lot of promise. But once we got to the studio, you go into this studio is just different. It's a assembly line where, you, you know, you spend a day or two or more getting drums tones, finding the right spot in the room, the right microphones and changing heads and whack, 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 whack. And it's, it's not a lot of fun. So now while you've got it set up, you're going to get all the drum tracks and maybe, you know, get some ba the bass tracks with it. And so we're going through methodically through each song and it's what we need to start working on that new song. And so it, we learned Wayward Son in the studio, basically, it arranged it. And the version that is on record is, I would imagine it's the, the first time we got it correct. You know, so, like, okay, take 10, take 12, you know, I think, I think we've got one, is how that worked. And then we build on it from there. So it was, um, yeah, like you said, it was the last late addition to that project, which had that song not come along, I don't know if Don Kirshner would have sprung for another album. Uh, he he was our benefactor, and he'd been pouring a lot of money into us for three albums, and now the fourth album, you know, if that hadn't panned out, was he going to go into a fifth album, into a sixth album? Probably not. So that really, uh, but when we got everything basically recorded and we had rough mixes and we we put everything in order how we thought it should be and we just sat back and listened to it really for the first time because we've been busy too busy recording it to sit back and listen to it and that was the first time we realized wow this this is something different this album is really good this is solid this could be a game changer and then with Waver's son with the acapella intro that we had added to that um we we felt very confident that this was our best record to date we were at least delivering something that has a shot of being on the radio incredible a shot of being on the radio and it turned out to be an absolute rock anthem um you mentioned there that adding the acapella at the start of the song i mean whose idea was that because it was a fantastic wonderful harmony of the voices wasn't it before the the, the drums and the guitars kicks in i'm not really sure who Originally, it was just, it just seemed, okay, this is a great chorus. What if? It was just kind of one of those things. What if, well, let's give it a try. And, and it just, and it worked out. We had examples of that from our previous days of playing in bar bands and stuff and, and from our different roots. And I always loved an acapella type of entrance myself. One thing that comes to mind was, uh, it's for you. Uh, it was a song by Three Dog Night that had the stack da 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 da, da. harmonies. And I, thought, I always loved that intro. And so we had examples of that in our roots and uh, other bands we had previously played in. So why not? Let's let's give that a shot. And it was right the way. Yeah, that's it. Tremendous, tremendous indeed. Um, speaking of hits, Dust in the Wind, um, very different again to kind of the core Kansas sound. It was acoustic. I mean, what do you remember about hearing that for the first time? Similar, it, it is now point in our return record. And we're in the same situation where we were in a rehearsal hall. By now, we had migrated to Atlanta, Georgia. 
And we're in a rehearsal hall there working on material. And Carrie comes in one day and he just says, I've got another song. It's probably not anything we would do. It's all acoustic. I just thought I'd bring it in. We'll just throw it on the pile of other stuff we're working on. Okay. And he had it uh, on his reel-to-reel. He'd roughly recorded an acoustic. And he had a lyric sheet. And I will never forget it, just standing there. And Carrie and Steve are over here. Steve's kind of looking over his shoulder and reading the lyrics. And Carrie's mumbling the, the melody. And there's rudimentary acoustic recording is playing in the background. And it, he finishes. And Dave Hope says, where did that song come from? And Carrie was like, you guys like this? <laughs> he had no idea. And it was like, Carrie, that's our next single. On that very first listen, in that rudimentary form, we heard a great song that he had penned and had no doubt that that was going to be our single and no doubt it was going to be a hit. And it was like, yeah, yes, this is the song that's going to continue the success of Love It was uh, the only song that's ever come along that upon first listen, I think, was an absolute yes by everybody. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Now, that, as you said, that came from the album Point of No Return. I mean, the artwork for that album is, is very iconic as well. You see it everywhere. I mean, people in movies and, and TV shows, you see them wearing T-shirts with, with the, the, the album cover on it. I mean, what, what do you think when you see things like that all the time? Oh, it's, it's great. Uh, somewhere on my computer, I, I have a clip from The Simpsons where Homer <laughs> is in a record store and I froze it and, and um, took a picture of it. But there's a, um, the album rack is behind him as he's talking with the store owner and there's the albums there. And there's a, a sticks album, a grand illusion and a point of return in the album bin there. And it's just very cool. Uh, that that's that 70s show. Donna was wearing the yellow, Point of No Return shirt. And there's a lot of fans will point these things out. Have you seen this yet? Well, by now, yes, I've seen it 500 times, but it's (laughs) very cool. Absolutely, absolutely. And someone that you've mentioned that we haven't really talked about much in the interview here, Phil. I mean, you've been together 50 years. It's a a long journey. Sum up your friendship with Phil and the secret behind your longevity together. Well, we've been together 50 years in this band. Yes, yes. We started in 1967 playing together. Wow. Uh, our junior year in high school, the first band I was ever in was with Phil. You know, high school and then into the different bar band type situations. We played together sometimes, alternate bands. Those bands would last about two months and somebody would leave and somebody would join. And then yeah. four people would leave. And all of a sudden, you're, it was th- those bands are probably still to this day, it's always in flux. In 1969, I joined a band that Phil was in, it was called called White Clover. And uh, we spent uh, the last part of 1969 and early 1970 for six months. We lived down in uh, New Orleans and we played in the French Quarter. And that was quite an experience. And at, at the end of that, I came home and that was hard. Uh, it was fun, but wow, I, I went back to college. <laughs> I said, I'm not really sure if I'm cut out for that. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, after a semester of school, 
I hated it. I wasn't made for school. And Phil had gone to England to try to get something going because um, nothing was really happening for him in Topeka, Kansas. And he called one day and said, let's get White Clover back together. And I said, great. <laughs> I don't want to be in school. <laughs> and so, yeah, that, that's where we got you know, Dave Hope and Steve Walsh, who I'd never played with before, but Phil had played with previously. And we knew of a violin player. We didn't know him, but knew of him in Lawrence, Kansas, named Robbie Steinhardt. And we thought the band he was in had broken up. It'd be great to add a violinist for something you know, something different. And that was how that version of White Clover had come together. Um, and we've been together ever since. Incredible. Incredible stuff. Now, um, just a last couple of questions then. I saw um, an interview you did a couple of years ago where you said your favourite guitarist was was Jeff Beck, and we sadly lost him recently as well, didn't we? I mean, in your eyes then, why was he so special? You can't count how many thousands of unbelievable guitar players that are out there. Um, but Jeff Beck, he had such a unique lyrical it was like a conversation. Um, yeah, you could pick him out of, give him a melody line and have him and a thousand other guitar players play it. There's Jeff. I mean, you could pick him out every time. Um, the things he could do, I've never been a strap player. I just, I pick one up, I can't, I just can't make him sound good. He was a, the king of a strat. And the things he did with his right hand are, just mind blowing of the, his technique, and to watch it, it doesn't look like he's hardly doing anything. It's like a, your favorite voice singing to you. You know, when he played, there was so many ups and downs and little nuances and every, little wiggles and things around it. Then oh, right, ah, the, the crazy things would pop out, and it would it would be. Familiar, but different every time. Um, just like a a jazz great or something that uh, had so many chops and could play around something in so many different ways, truly playing for the moment, not repeating, but just it was so heartfelt. Every time I go back and listen to Jeff Beck, it reaffirms that he is, in my opinion, the best guitar player that's ever lived. I just watched a, an interview with him yesterday that was him talking about Ronnie Scott's doing the, those shows. And it was so strange because he's soft-spoken and he was so terrified. Of, do, of playing that and how he's going to be received and all that and nervous and all that. And I think Jeff Beck is nervous because, because I'm going, I'm nervous before every show, but this is Jeff Beck. <laughs> he can't be nervous, but he was always, you know, he had the, the same human doubts as anybody, but he would step out on stage and perform miracles. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> And did you get to meet him at any point? Did you, did you ever get the chance to spend time with him? No, I never did. Uh, oh. I would have been 
probably speechless and in awe and just been a mouth open staring stump. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he was, it just seemed to be such a easygoing, quiet gentleman that he yeah. would probably, my de- defense mechanisms would have relaxed quickly. Yeah. Lovely. Well, those answers are perfect for me. Thank you so much for spending your last half an hour or so with me with today, Rich. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And a huge thanks to Rich for joining me there. Check out kansasband.com for all the information on that huge tour that they've got lined up. And of course, get all the latest news and releases too. Right then, it's the time of the show for this week's top five, and of course it's going to be my favourite five songs from Kansas. Remember, these are my personal favourites. I don't expect you to fully agree. In fact, I'd love to hear how you disagree. Message me on the socials or email vintagerockpod at gmail.com. So, let's see what you make of these then this week. My favourite five songs from the band, Kansas. At five is an epic one from their second album of the same name. It's a 10-minute masterpiece that has it all from the incredible instrumental sections to the vocals of Steve Walsh. And number five is Song for America. At number four is another title track from their 1977 record of the same name. This single opens the record and went top 30 on release in the US. It distills their prog and rock charm into a punchy three minutes with another top vocal performance. At four is Point of No Return. At number three is one of their 80s catalogue from the album Vinyl Confessions. This song has a big chorus and charted at 17 on the Billboard Hot 100. And number three is Play the Game Tonight. Number two is a track from their big Left Overture album, the second single released from that record. It's a big, rockier number, which is why I love it. It's punchy and it's big. And number two is What's On My Mind. And at number one, it can only be one song for me. Right from the opening seconds, it grabs you, hooks you and never lets up. The song that really put the band on the map and remains one of the most played songs on classic rock radio today. From Left Overture, my favourite song from Kansas is, of course, Carry On, Wayward Son. So there you go, my top five songs from Kansas. Maybe some surprise at No Place for Dust in the Wind, but I do love a harder, rockier sound. As always, though, I'd love to hear what you think. What's your favourite track of theirs? Message me on the social media platforms or email me, vintagerockpod at gmail.com, and I'll give you a mention on next week's show. And remember to keep checking the Vintage Rock Pod social media channels for full album February. See what record we're listening to each day. Join in, leave your comments. Everyone is welcome. We're going to unearth some brilliant classic records along the way. Check out 
email, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram for all that kind of thing. Well, that's it for me then. And this week's big interview show. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Vintage Rock Pod on your podcast app so that you get all the episodes on there. They are released every single day. So the only place you can get it is on the Vintage Rock Pod feed. I'll be back tomorrow with another This Day Rocks. So until then, take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.